0: everybody, welcome back to the podcast (laughs) with me, Sarah, your host with the most. Welcome back. It's been a while again. God, again. I'm sorry, but I'm very excited to be back as per usual and I'm extra excited for today's episode. I'm trying to hold the microphone further away because I keep on breaking the thing, you know, breaking the limit or whatever. And it goes so I'm gonna try and not do that anyway um yes I'm very excited I'm having my mum on today my beautiful mum my crazy beautiful mum um she crazy and beautiful not <laughs> she's crazy beautiful as well I'm rambling I'm rambling I just got a couple things to get out of the way. <laughs> The first is that what's wrong with me right now I'm not sure the first is that um my neighbors are mowing the goddamn lawn again. I swear they mow it twice a day every single day, but it's fine um hopefully they'll be done with that soon, but if you can hear it, I'm really sorry and I'm not you know it's out of my control um and yeah, so basically I'm having my mum on today because she I've always wanted to have mum on but um. It's kind of good timing because I'm, as you know, going to Japan in December, and my mum actually, when she was 16, moved to Japan, and she has a whole a whole range of stories to tell. Um, she was there for a year, and I'm so excited to sit down and hear about all of it, and I think it's going to be super interesting and exciting as well for you guys. So, I really hope you enjoy, and without further ado, here is me and... Mikasa, enjoy! Hello, everyone! <laughs> say hi. Hi, I'm Sarah's mama. Well, I'm going to introduce you. So. Okay. Welcome back. I'm here with my mum, Simone Gillespie. Mm-hmm. Now you can say hi properly and introduce yourself. Oh, hello,
1: everybody. I'm Sarah's mama, Simone Gillespie. Okay, great.
0: Exactly what I said. Perfect. Yes, yeah. Um. Thank you for joining us mm. on this fine evening. I was just telling them about how the neighbours were mowing the lawn, and I was very miffed. Mm. But they've stopped, thank mm. God. Mm. Apparently, Dad said that she looks through the bins sometimes, so gotta really? look out for her. yeah. Okay. seriously
1: um, One of them bottle collectors Yes, mm, which is a great good. thing It is, recycling yep. mm.
0: um, So mm. I've also just given them a kind of a rundown of what we're going to be talking about oh, today
1: see, right.
0: Um, yes, so my mum, there's a lot of stories to tell But today we're going to be talking all about your trip to Japan when you were 16 What happened, how you got started, how you got into it And sort of what unfolded when you got there <laughs> so um yeah we'll just do a little life summary um at the start but I just wanted to say that mum and I as I've gotten older definitely are very similar in a lot of ways oh, <laughs> yeah and it's funny because it's the same with um your mum my grandmother's yes. just three generations of us which is yes. crazy because I think growing up I just constantly I didn't try and I didn't try and like Uh, rebel against that like I knew we were similar but as definitely as I get older I can see a lot more similarities Mm. in us which is it's great it's a good thing but it is hilarious seeing the three of us I mean last week we were at dinner me mum my grandma my grandpa and the way that he just sat there while the three of us just bickered and gossiped (laughs) the whole time he looked terrified (laughs) And I said to him, I was like, are you all right? Like, is this what it's always like? Um, But yeah, we're very, very similar. And I think like a lot of my friends would say Mm. the same thing. But yeah, in in many ways, Mm. I think that I have followed in your footsteps, um, whether or not that's something that I (laughs) wanted to do. I always wanted to do my own thing. But Mm. yeah, I think... It it's just turned out that way like I think I've written here that mm. you know our uni courses were the same pretty much like well you know similar things I was I applied for business yeah and then I that didn't end up working but I did do that we both have an interest in Japanese studies mm-hmm. I mean you're basically fluent in Japanese mm-hmm. but we'll get into that also yeah. hockey yes love for traveling like there's mm-hmm. a lot of uh similarities between us mm Mm. So yeah, you have many stories, many a sure. story, but yeah. I just wanted to talk all about your Japan experience yeah. and mm. what that was like for you.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, mm. These questions yeah. that I have in front of me are from, accumulated from both Bette and I together. Oh,
1: is that right? Oh, <laughs> yeah. She's, she's had a bit of a part in She's this had life. a part. Of
0: course she has. Of course. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, yeah, mm. let's start basically with yeah. you growing up and mm. what made you want to do that do your
1: experience okay um well so um i was in uh year 12 of of high school and uh one of the teachers came up to me and said there's a chance um that uh some students could be uh interviewed for a rotary youth exchange overseas and uh, we had to choose a few students and i thought you'd be perfect for that are you interested and i i thought Oh, that sounds all right. And I actually had a neighbor who had done it the year before. He, Stephen, had gone to Argentina. Wow. And he just had a wild time. I mean, he he went back, he went over there, all this straight laced, skinny chap. And when he came back, he had hair and a beard and he was wearing a poncho and it was full-on you know transformation (laughs) and I thought yeah yeah that sounds like a good idea went home chatted to mum and dad about it and uh, the next thing you know I'd taken the first step and uh, Rotary were the club that um, you know brought me in and and I had to go through a big selection process Mm -hmm. but finally in the end they told me yes you're going to be an exchange student but they didn't tell me where and that's where the shock came in because I'd actually asked for Canada or something along those lines yeah. or France. And then they came back and they said, Simone, lucky you, you're going to Japan. And it floored me. I nearly died. I thought, Which oh, my I think, God. I think
0: that's so understandable. Mm. Like, especially when you were growing up, um, you know, pre-dinosaur age, yeah. um, of course, you. I feel like there wasn't a lot of uh, education on – overseas countries and different cultures and Mm. obviously it's a lot more accessible now i mean i studied japanese in school you weren't studying it at all and i think the fact that you wanted to go to canada or the us is like a big uh, example of that yeah and and how no one really expected to go anywhere else i just i think uh it's a crazy thing that they gave such young kids that opportunity do you think that that was a good like, do you think that that was a good idea? Because I don't think that would really happen now, 16 years old. I mean, that's um, pretty young. Well, actually,
1: it it t- does tend to happen between year 11 and year 12 where they take the, the year off and go uh, overseas. But for me, I'd actually finished high school by the time I was 16. I finished when I was very young. And um, so I, I, you know, thought, great, it's like having a gap year. But I, I went over um, to Japan and normally um, the rotary clubs in Japan would organise for four um, separate families to take you for th- three months each, but for some absurd reason, and I don't know why, um, the they could only find one family for me, <laughs> and I spent the entire 12 months living with this one family, and so you can, as you can imagine, we got very close, and luckily, uh, you know, we all got along, and, uh, but I think it was a different experience for me compared to other exchange students in that I had the full 12 months with one set of people. That's insane. Yeah it was insane.
0: Why did they do that was the reasoning to break you up like do you know the reasons why they they wanted to do that and obviously it didn't happen
1: for you? Yeah I mean like obviously some you know exchange students didn't really gel with their families also they got different experiences from different people but um, for one reason or another, there weren't any families available, only the one. And I'd, I didn't know whether that was a good thing or a bad thing to, to begin with. It turned out to be a great thing for me because I, I can imagine moving families four times would, would be unsettling and it's already unsettling moving yeah. to a country yeah. like, like Japan. So I felt a little bit more um, grounded at home and safer just with the, the, the one family did you find it difficult I mean we'll get
0: into that later yeah. but did you obviously find that difficult when you had to leave eventually after the year the year's experience was it a lot more difficult I would imagine for, for someone like you that spends a whole year with a family yes.
1: yeah it was, you would have built like a whole new life yeah it was very heartbreaking to have to leave and they had become essentially my you know parents and my family and um I'd grown you know very close to the mall you know especially my host mother and my sister over there and yeah so at the end of it it was uh it was a heartbreaking experience to 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 come home and uh, I did want to come home but I didn't want to leave anyone there as well so that was yeah it was hard so should we get into what
0: it actually was and what you what well, it was that you did while you were over there. Yeah,
1: but you know what? One thing I have to tell you is like um, I was so unprepared for going to Japan. I don't know what I was thinking. I don't know why. I mean, back in the day, we didn't have Google or the internet, so it wasn't as if I could go, oh, Google, oh, you know, what's the weather like in Japan? But it was so bad, my lack of information, that I left Perth in January on a like 40-degree, you know, boiling hot day wearing a pencil skirt um and the the rotary blazer with a blouse underneath the rotary blazer had a badge on it that the rotary club gave all of the exchange students and i was wearing open toe sandals and when i arrived in tokyo uh there was 12 foot of snow outside had you seen snow before i had seen snow back in england when i was six or seven but nothing of the scale that I saw and I was so unprepared and underdressed and my host family when they stood at the gate of the airport and when I came out took one look at me and my open-toed sandals and thought yeah what are we gonna do now you know we've
0: got our yeah we've got our work cut out for us here
1: whisk me down to the shop to buy me wellington boots straight away and i mean talking about you
0: being unprepared you mm -hmm. had never spoken japanese before you didn't know a single word of japanese no
1: no what was
0: that like how did you
1: communicate when you were there it was just so hard i mean i tried to to learn you know a little bit before I left but there wasn't much time um and literally it was uh you know one of these cases where you would use body language sign language pointing at this pointing at that and really it was you know the first uh three months f- for me were tragically very I was very homesick and uh, I can imagine why it was, yeah it was quite tragic in fact I was on the phone every Sunday to mum and dad back in Perth, saying please send me home, you know.
0: <laughs> and what were they like? Were they sort of you know, come on, you got this, or like tough luck? This is what you asked for.
1: Um. Well, my mum was really concerned. You know, she could tell that I was like sobbing on the phone and things like that. But she was saying, no, you've got to keep trying. You've got to. They all say it will get better after three months. They say it starts to wear off and, you know, you've got to hang in there. So they were very supportive that way. But, um, you know, I, I honestly felt like someone had picked me up from little old Perth, I was 16 years old, and had dropped me off on the face of Mars because yeah. there was nothing that okay. resembled home. Yeah, and mm. I think mm.
0: like now with globalisation and, and everything and more mm. of a multicultural mm. globe, mm. blah, 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 I'm jumbling my words, like it's a lot it's a lot different to what it was for you back then.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, like the very first morning, I woke up to a bowl of rice and a bit of uh, fried fish for breakfast and I thought, where's the Wheat Bix? <laughs> oh,
0: my God. <laughs> and it was like, oh. And it Little was, Perth girl
1: exposed. Yeah, even things like bathrooms in Japan, they're not the same as here. For a start, the toilet in the house in Japan was a squat toilet you, the, you don't have a thing to sit on you have to actually literally you know go into um, Hindi squat position if you do yoga and you know what I'm talking about and that is really hard to master and then you've got the bathroom sorry sorry yeah and then the bathroom is like it's just one big tiled room with a shower head coming off the wall and a big tub so, or so. even even they're having a bloody wash was something so out of the ordinary yeah. that um, I could not find familiarity anywhere. Yeah, yeah.
0: You know? And so, yeah. what? So obviously, you went to school there.
1: Yes. Tell me
0: about what that was like. Um, <laughs> how 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 you made friends? What what the school system was like and obviously everyone listening keep in mind like we've said a hundred times this was a long time ago things have definitely changed since then
1: 1984 1984 Mm. oh my god Mm. i finished school in 1983 i went to japan 84 85 well i don't know who chose this particular school for me but um there there were only a handful of schools in fukui where i was living and one of the schools was an all-girls school, which uh, so the, there was not one skerrick of academic um, s- schooling there at all. The, these girls were, so basic, they were only there to just learn how to, you know, do housewife duties. So that was the first thing I picked up on very, you know, very soon. And it was very strict. We had to wear like a sailor-style uh, typical. Japanese um, school uniform, which looked like a sailor boat neck top, <laughs> white and navy. Those were shocking. I've seen photos. Yeah, of Yeah, and the pleated skirt with with little white socks and these black loafers, and then and then in the winter time you'd have a big coat and you had to wear boots as well, like, you know. And it was kind of even that was just so weird. I mean, putting that on for the first time, I was thinking, what the heck, I'm wearing a sailor suit. <laughs> terrible and yeah so the school extremely strict um there it was no fun to be had at that school all the teachers were all serious and like they they, they wouldn't they wouldn't you know uh partake in any sort of fun and games with you and the, to the point where sort of like um uh you know they would punish you for the most ridiculous thing there's this thing in japan called sitting caesar where you sit with your legs folded up underneath you like you would when when you were a little young kid watching the television with your legs sort of underneath and in Japan they call that sitting sasa and one of the punishments if you did something wrong at school was that you had to sit like that on a hard floor for hours <laughs> facing the wall <laughs> it's hours crazy. yeah sitting sasa that was the, the yeah the penalty and we also had to clean the school ourselves so um we had to clean toilets and clean mop floors and wipe everything there were no cleaners at that school we we all had to do it ourselves and that was like oh my god are you kidding me would you, you do know? that
0: before school or after
1: school it was mainly a, uh, after school that mm. we would have to do that and uh yeah like you know you weren't allowed to bring anything apart from your school stuff to school and you know the rest of whatever you had in your bag was contraband and they would take it off you and uh, oh god I remember this one time it was the middle of winter so the snow was like you know stacked up around the school about six foot high of snow like mounds and I'm not kidding there was that much snow in in this town I was living in and uh, I was walking into the the school grounds with a with another girl from my school and she whispered to me, oh, there's a search, there's a search. Quick, have you got anything in your in your bag? You know, you'll need to get rid of it. And I'm like, a search, you know, what? 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 And this is all, so she's speaking Japanese to me, of course, and I'm just like, what the heck? And she, she said, oh, you know, have you got lipstick? Have you got a comic? Have you got anything that's not to do with school? And she dug a hole in the side of this mound of snow that was in the school grounds. And she pulled out all her stuff that she had—magazines, <laughs> and lipstick, and hairbrush, and all this—and she buried it in the snow there. And she told me to bury my stuff in there as well. And uh, and then she covered it up with all this snow. And she said, when we finish school, you know, we can we can dig it up. No way. <laughs> and we got to the school gate, and sure enough, we were getting a pat down, you know, by yeah. the teachers looking in the bags, you know. Yeah, you know, if you had anything that like even food wise if you had anything that didn't resemble your 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 little lunchbox that she got from your your mum if you had something something else in there then uh yeah you'd get a you know, slap on the wrist and yeah. sitting Caesar yeah sitting Caesar for a good couple of hours oh and, my goodness so oh.
0: what um i guess my biggest question mm-hmm. is, what would you say are a couple or your biggest just Craziest story that
1: you have, um, your favourite to tell. Um, well, the weirdest thing I I reckon about living in Japan was that um, I um, obviously couldn't understand the language, and uh, it took you know about three months before I could even say a few words or understand a few words. And uh, I had a girl in my class who I became very friendly with, and would you believe this girl was deaf. Born deaf, so she was in the same boat as me in that she could not understand what everyone was saying to her either because she had to she had to lip read and stuff like that, and she and I clicked because i couldn't understand what anyone was saying to me, and she couldn't understand what anyone was saying to me, so she then sh- um, taught me how to read uh, sign language
0: oh wow, uh, and
1: then I started to communicate with her using sign language, and you know I also she could rip, lip read what i was saying and this little girl was so cute her name was saki saki little saki and uh she uh lived just down the road from me and we used to ride our little treadley bikes to school <laughs> along the river and we'd catch Aww. the bus in the snow you know and she, it was really great you know and she she, she and i just sort of we were in the same boat for different that reasons. yeah mutual sort yeah, of yeah, yeah, understanding, understanding of each yeah. other. Yeah. She actually um, was deprived of oxygen at birth because her umbilical cord got tangled, and she she suffered brain damage, and her eyesight was really bad, and she she was deaf at birth. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. But her and her family were really really nice to me, and um, it really made my life you know a lot better because I had someone at school he who, who who could understand what did you find to be the hardest
0: challenge mm. and how did you overcome that well you know food was really really hard in
1: Japan well, you would have been so
0: uncultured with your food I mean what was
1: happening at home a lot of well, a lot of curry gra- well curry. yeah obviously curry yeah. but um yeah like plain food like barbecues salad and stuff like that I've gone over there Dinner. and you know, every meal has rice. And then there's miso soup as well. Sometimes in the morning there's miso soup. At night sometimes there's miso soup. But, it, you know, they eat so much fish and I think it's because they've got no land in Japan to be able to have um, cows. Yeah. Um, And so beef over there is really expensive because they haven't got the land oh, to have cows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's, this Wagyu beef that they talk about here That's because their cows get treated like absolute royalty, and they feed them, you know, wheat and things like that. You know, they're not like the cows in Australia. So they don't have cows, so therefore they don't have a lot of dairy. So you you don't see a lot of dairy in Japan. You don't see butter, margarine, milk. I mean, there is milk, but not they don't drink a lot of it, and they don't have a lot of dairy nonstop. They don't no yogurt, no milk, no yeah. So that was kind of weird. And a challenge. A challenge you know and like um obviously being
0: homesick as well was a huge one
1: yeah but I, I try- think my host mother she really tried to bend the rules and started making things that she knew I would eat like chicken and fried chicken and things like that you know okay, so mm-hmm. obviously we have mm-hmm.
0: because of your stay in Japan we had or have still um quite a strong link with your family that you stayed with the Onagas Mm -hmm. and we've had a couple of the kids the younger generations from that family come and stay with us getting to know them myself was definitely like something that really sparked my interest in Mm -hmm. Japanese and and learning the language and learning Mm -hmm. about the culture and a big reason why because I studied it why I want to go to Japan Mm
1: -hmm. yeah because you had some exposure to it yeah and when What
0: was it like, sort of building that relationship with a with a, a group of strangers who ended up being such a, you know, huge, huge part of your life?
1: Yeah, you know, it was. Um, they're a very reserved um, culture, and I, my family was very much the opposite. You know, my my mum and dad were very touchy feely, and my grandma, and you know, we'd hop into bed with them on a weekend and. We'd kiss and we'd cuddle and we'd huddle, you know. They you know, But my host mother, I think she realised that that's, that's the way I was brought up. And sort of, and, of
0: your love and how you show love.
1: Yeah, and she very quickly softened and became a little bit more touchy-feely with me, which really brought me to tears sometimes, you know. And I know my sister, who was in the room next to me at the time, you know, I was only 16 and she was about, you know, 14. She um could hear me crying at night, and she would she would come into my room and just hop into bed with me. Aww. Yeah, because I would sob at night because uh I would feel so lonely. I feel so homesick. I'd, That's yeah. definitely passed yeah.
0: on to me. Just that sort mm-hmm. of like mm-hmm. physical physical touch with your family and just like
1: definitely yeah yeah. So she having would someone it. like
0: that that you can just sort of have with you and have around you it's a a huge difference and not everyone's lucky enough to have that so it's you know yeah to have it taken not taken away from you but to
1: go without it to be in a really close family situation and then feel so isolated but they did make an effort Yeah, yeah which is beautiful it was but you know something about um yeah like you know these days you know you can get on your phone and scroll through Facebook or you can Facebook. You know, you can you can amuse yourself. Sorry, you can amuse yourself in a million different ways, but or watch TV, all right? Over in Japan in nineteen eighty four, there was no English channels on the TV. Every single channel was Japanese shows and even like Japanese pop music with all these Japanese singers and I eventually got right into it and by the end of the year, you know, I had my favourite Japanese singer and things like that but nothing was familiar at all. And um, I couldn't sit in front of the TV with my family and enjoy anything because I couldn't understand anything. There's a lot of things that we sort of take for granted granted. day for day, obviously. Unfortunately, you know, I used to like retreat to my room where the the music I was listening to at the time was in excess kick album. And I would play that thing over and
0: over. That does not surprise me because you still play it over and over again. Yeah, in excess. My mom is the type of girl, okay, that plays her music full blast through either a her shitty kmart speaker that sounds like honestly, it's it's worse than it's worse than nails on a chalkboard or oh, she plays it directly goodness. out of her phone. Plus you have to listen to her screaming the lyrics. <laughs>
1: Oh, no, I got a better you, speaker now. I've got a better literally speaker in
0: excess now. is drilled in my ears every day and it's unbearable. Oh, anyway,
1: yes, yeah, so In Excess, Thompson Twins, Cindy Lauper, Steam. my host father, he bought me a tape machine, you know, big old mm-hmm. sort of boombox tape machine because he could tell that, you know, I like that. And um I put the tapes in and I would play In Excess and Cindy Lauper and and my my little japanese sister she was so sweet she got into it as well oh, you know bless her. she got into the music and then she started to introduce me to japanese pop singers as well you know so so that it was nice because I, I i retreated to my room a lot and um i felt really bad about it but i just couldn't sit out there in the living room and just i think not, they
0: understood it well by the sounds of it
1: a couple of times my host mother came in and uh, tried to coax me out of there and just sat down on the floor with me and put her arm around me, oh it was so Aww. sweet, yeah, yeah.
0: Um, okay, so we sort of need to get moving on <laughs> here, think. but the, the link is that obviously I'm going to Japan very, very soon, I'm going in about seven weeks, which you is, are. no, that's dramatic, maybe eight weeks nine November.
1: weeks yeah yeah it's
0: very soon anyway
1: yep.
0: and yeah and I haven't yep. been before so I um, wanted to know what your advice would be for me I know you haven't been in a very very long time uh-huh. but maybe even get into sort of how you feel about me <laughs> going doing the there. things that I'm doing yeah. and yeah just some yeah. maybe some advice
1: well well um like, well, yeah, and uh, you know the language is a difficult thing. Let me tell you, Sarah, you you will not be able to master it. But um, learning how to speak it is a way easier than trying to read and write it. Okay, mm. reading and writing Japanese is something I never conquered, really, and I only to this day I can only write the basic stuff. But learning, one thing I do have to say though is that in there's different dialects in Japan. And uh where I was living, you know, there there was a dialect that my family were using and that I picked up on and my Japanese, you know, that I learnt from my family and friends was I didn't realise at the time, but was like fisherman's talk. Bogan. Yeah. It was like seriously bogan and um slang and sort of And <laughs> when I got back from Japan and I went to university at Curtin my lecturer said, "Oh my God, where have you been learning?" Japanese? <laughs> he says, "You talk like a fisherwoman." Oh
0: my goodness!
1: And he had to clean up my Japanese because he said, "You can't go around talking like that." How because, funny! Yeah, uh, what sophisticated accent they 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 slurred a lot of things and they dragged dragged a lot of uh, words out, and it really was a totally different. Um, way of, of speaking so that's one thing to look okay. out for. but um, what do you think about
0: me going to japan and th- just oh, your overall i think it's it.
1: great i mean you know uh, japan's come a long long way since i went there and felt like i'd been dropped on you know the face of the moon you know because it was really an unknown factor back then no one knew anything much about it but these days you know everyone knows a lot about it and a lot of people are going there and of course A lot of people are going to ski in Niseko. I've skied in Niseko five or six times. I've been to Hokkaido, you know, more than 20 times. I've been to Hokkaido. Oh, my God. She's uh, flexing hard. She's flexing. And Hokkaido has the most amount of snow that you will ever see. And I spoke to someone today and I said, my Sarah is going to get the shock of her life when she sees (laughs) just how much snow falls up there I I remember when I first got there our house was completely covered in a big snow dome literally just covered they had to dig a tunnel from the front um from the front door to the street because that was the only way you could get there to go dig a tunnel (laughs) yeah yeah yeah.
0: you're gonna need to wrap this up mom
1: (laughs) I just wish you all the best On your trip to Japan, see and do as much as you can. Thank you so much for coming on, Mum. Not a problem. And thanks, everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) All right, we'll see you next week. Thank you, guys. Bye.